Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact Retromania Podcast at gmail.com. Hey everybody, and welcome to Marking Out the Day's Extreme Watch-Alongs. This is episode 3, covering the date, January 14th, 1997. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida. I'm here joined with the man, the myth, the legend, Davey Boy Rosenbluth. How's it going? Oh man, Davey Boy, <laughs> you fucking asshole, Davey Boy. <laughs> Maybe I should have prefaced like how you introduced me because they, people used to call me that as a kid. And, oh shit! Yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, no, that's okay. That's all right. I well, mean, we can you know. we can reflect on this nostalgic podcast here on Extreme Watch Logs. Yeah, yeah. Let's reflect on never calling me that fucking name ever again. <laughs> We're off to a good start. Yeah, we uh, are. We've had a great day. It's a snow day. Wink. Uh, it, it is a snow day, and we're catching up. Uh, here with you guys on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, we have been watching along ECW, so we're we're going to get right into it um, like we do each week on this show, and we're going to kind of just uh, talk about ECW as we watch the show and what happens, and Dave has some uh, insight too, and then uh, a couple factoids and stuff. It, it, it's a fun show. I hope everybody has enjoyed the ride. We've had some technical difficulties, so thank you for uh, hanging on with us. You know, we've had a little bit of a delay, but uh, that's why we're making up for it on this snow day. And uh, we will be dropping in every week with you guys uh, for ECW watch-alongs, extreme watch-alongs. Uh, Dave, um, I know you have some technical stuff going on, but we're looking forward. Technicals this... beyond what I have going on. For True. those of you that are listening, that have been following along on social media a long time back. I, yeah, it's definitely a long time back because it still hasn't been fucking finished yet. Um, <laughs> I'm going to shoot here just for a moment, so bear with me. Go for um, it. Since it's DCW, you know, watch alongs and Paul Heyman used to like to shoot. I'm going to shoot just for a minute here on the fucking guy who's supposed to fin finish my basement so I could have my recording set up so I can celebrate a goddamn 30th anniversary of Ric Flair's fucking Royal Rumble win in 1992. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. I was scheduled to do that on January the 26th. But no, some fucking asshole who I was contracted legally binding agreed to fix my fucking basement should have been done three fucking months ago but it wasn't finished it still isn't finished and this piece of shit has been ducking and dodging me left and right and here's the weird part this is weird you'll find this weird kobe everybody will find this weird everyone who listens to this who has an adult life and has done adult things will find this weird i didn't give this motherfucker a dime he didn't ask for a single cent when he started this job and yet he's disappeared Four months to put down a fucking floor. Wow. <sighs> so, with that being said, my schedule kicking out at two. It's gotten a little fucked up, if you will. I wanted to cover 1997, Raw Nitro to complement this show. 
the extreme watch along ccw hardcore tv 1997 make a big fucking deal of it and then every now and then i wanted to sprinkle in some some random anniversaries that were necessary like rick flair winning the royal rumble 1992 and the wwf title 30 years just right before the upcoming royal rumble pay-per-view but no somebody doesn't want to do their fucking job so Kicking out on two is on, once again, another extended hiatus. Once again. So, I appreciate everyone's patience. It's not like any of you have been knocking down the door and saying, when are you going to do another fucking podcast? But, nonetheless, I appreciate everyone's patience and your time and for following me on Facebook and Twitter. Please continue to do so, because I plan to resume normal recording operations once this fucking floor is finished. Thank you. Well, I, I can't wait for you stay to come tuned. back. Yes. <laughs> yes, everybody, please stay tuned. You can find us on any podcasting app by searching Retromania with a W. We have a whole archive there. Dave's illustrious show, Kicking Out of Two, and uh, will return once he gets that fucking floor put in. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just go find us there and uh, dig in the archive. Over 400 episodes for you guys. Uh evergreen content for your ears and always fun uh some laughs some historical notes and uh some some good wrestling content all around dave you you good you ready yeah i'm good <laughs> get this shit over with so let's get january your... 14th 97 on the cock find it yeah Find it on the Cox Season 5, Episode 3. Uh, cue it up. When we say play, hit play with us. We're going to count down 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and then say play. Dave, you ready? I'm ready. Folks, you ready? ready? You guys should be fucking ready. All right. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, play. Here we are. Uh, Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich coming out. Somebody say somebody getting fired up. Yeah, firing it up, man. Uh, some old timers here. Haven't uh haven't seen them uh, in ECW yet since we've been watching. Somebody must have missed their child support payments and gave Paulie a call. <laughs> Are you referring to Tommy Rich or Ricky Morton? Uh, no, I, I don't know, honestly, either one. But, I mean, <laughs> speaking of Ricky Morton, Ricky Morton recently just announced that the Rock and Roll Express are going to be on a farewell tour. That he is no longer going to be teaming with Robert Gibson. He's going to focus his attention on his son, Kerry Morton, and and continuing to work behind the scenes in the world of professional wrestling, particularly the NWA. This is um, uh, right now in the state of 2022? Yes. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yes. Wow. Uh, I don't think his kid was born in 1997. I don't think Ricky Morton spat out a drop of cum to produce that kid in 1997. Okay, um, so I, I haven't seen his son in Excuse action. Excuse my language. <laughs> I haven't seen his son in action. Have you seen his son in action? No, I have not, but okay. um, judging by what we're seeing right now here, it looks like the gangsters, New Jack and, and um, Mustafa, are uh, Tommy Rich. Please put a shirt on, my goodness. Holy cow. <laughs> judging, but judging by what we're seeing here, I don't know if... if uh, if, if Ricky produced a child after this match here. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, another hardcore uh, battle. Somebody Just... say something about covering up them titties. My goodness, Tommy Rich. <laughs> the uh, fuck, man. For, former NWA champion, though. 
That's right. Former NWA champion. The the part of the famous last battle of Atlanta with uh, with uh, Buzz Sawyer. And that which is was the, the first. Yeah. It was in October of '83, the very first enclosed steel cage match, which was a precursor to Hell in the Cell. Uh, I was at the Omni in Atlanta. You can look that up. Last battle of Atlanta. The Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. That's a it's actually it's a pretty fun match. I watched it a long time ago. I was gonna network. say when well, it was the WWE Network and not the Cock. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, we that'd be a fun match to watch. Actually, one of the one of the first, you know. Um, I mean, uh, especially. I don't think there's commentary either. I don't oh. believe there's commentary during this match. Well, that'd be even so, better. Yeah. So we don't have to mute it. We could actually do a watch along and and, and do the commentary right along right along with it. Absolutely. Um, uh, right now we see the gangsters and Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich just fighting all about the building, a typical ECW brawl from the gangsters here, and the music is playing in the ghetto. Yeah, it's, it looks like uh, Tommy Rich here, uh, he, uh, 25 years earlier, uh, brought us uh, Fabletics, that Kevin Hart athletic line that's out now for males and females <laughs> with, his, uh, with his yoga pants he's wearing. My goodness. Uh, fucking yeah. Zubaz called. Yeah, I want you to take that shit off and don't wear it without a fucking t-shirt on. Mustafa oh, is actually wearing the uh, the the Roman Reigns attire now. Yeah, he's got the shield gear, the cargo pants, and everything. Yep. The original. Yeah, same shield. thing with New Jack. Yeah. Same thing with New Jack here. So I I heard uh, too in this time in 1997, BWO shirts were accounting for 40 percent of the merch sales. Yes. So I heard that as well. It's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty big, you know. Um, that that goes, ECW, yeah. And that goes I to mean, show, like what what we see nowadays, where everybody kind of has a merch or a gimmick attached to them. You know, you always have to have. Everybody's a, got a T-shirt. Yeah. Well, not everybody. I mean, everybody <laughs> in AEW's got a T-shirt. Once a guy comes out, all of a sudden they 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 they, they hawk a shirt. You know, on the corner of the screen, Jay Lethal didn't even have a match, and they had a, a link at the bottom of the screen when he de- debuted in AEW for a fucking T-shirt. Right. Danny Garcia, 2.0, fucking the referee, Aubrey, she's got a goddamn T-shirt. Everybody's got a fucking Jesus T-shirt. Christ. Yeah, we see New Jack um, hitting Tommy Rich with the chair, picking up the victory really quick there. Um, I don't think I don't think New Jack has a, uh, a merch shirt on. No, uh, he, no, no. Someone else's by lot of, the name of Tupac. Yeah, a lot of that's about it. A lot of these guys in ECW wore band shirts, uh, as we talked about last week, where everything kind of associated with the music. It went hand in hand. Yep. Yeah, like yeah, you saw a lot of you know, uh, like Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten. They wore a lot of like heavy metal shirts. New Jack had a lot of hip hop, rap, gangster rap T-shirts on. Um, the music, like you said, incorporated. A lot of the music was illegally distributed. Yeah, like um, Sandman well, had Enter the Sandman, and then, you know, RVD had the Pantera song, which both songs now are synonymous with those guys because when I hear those songs, I kind of think about them passing, yep. you know. Oh, wait a minute. Ricky and Tommy. Uh-oh. No longer friends. <sighs> now we got ourselves a little bloodbath here, a little Memphis bloodbath. In the middle of Philadelphia. Wow, these guys are blading for the business. Tommy Rich can draw some blood, that's for sure. Still needs to wear a shirt. Yeah. 
Is he this need, an official he, match? He needs to get some merch. I mean, it's ECW. The the ref counts whenever, you know. Yeah, I mean, is I didn't know if this was an official match or not. As we're watching it here, Joey Styles giving us the play by play, if you will, of what's going down in the hood. But yeah, forty percent BWO merch. That's uh, that, that's that's an interesting tidbit there. I uh, you know, considering that it was such a small operation, wonder how much how. You know how often they were pumping shirts out. Yeah, and I wonder how much money they actually saw of that. <laughs> uh, Here's an interesting uh, tidbit. It's a little WWF. With a few days left before the Royal Rumble, WWF is expecting close to fifty thousand people to be in attendance at the Alamo Dome. As of a few days ago, almost twenty nine thousand tickets have been sold. They've been heavily papering the city and are hoping for a big walk up crowd the day of the show. The show has seen some of the heaviest local promotion ever with tons of radio and TV ads, literally millions of coupon discount codes on Dr. Pepper and Taco Bell locations throughout Southern Texas and custom commentary on WWF TV shows airing in the area where they are heavily pushing ticket sales. The pay-per-view will be blacked out throughout Southeastern Texas. So if you live in the area, the only way to see it is to be there live. That being said, WWF has pretty much quietly admitted the show won't be a sellout. But they've been hyping the 71,000 seat capacity on TV so much that they may still claim there are 71,000 people there, even if it's nowhere near close. Wow. And it became one of their uh, big shows. I mean, I think they might have inflated the numbers a bit, but uh, it was a huge show. One of their biggest. I think think the legit sellout came out to like close to 50 and then they papered the rest. So I think that I, I, I think it wasn't that far off from what I remember. I remember watching a shooter interview with Cornette once and he had the numbers in like a book that he kept because he kept track of all that stuff and uh yeah they're behind they're behind they're behind like a grocery store or some type of uh like plaza lot and it looks like uh they've made a room for the team taz dojo um which where's hook send hook look it's team taz man all the way from uh What is it? Thirty years now? Twenty-five years. Twenty-five years. years. Look at this. Team Taz. Uh, you. I just, I just, I just saw Hook wrestle recently for the first time in New Jersey uh, at an AEW show. I went to Dynamite a uh, couple of weeks back. Tell us and, about. Uh, it. Tell us about it. Well, first of all, well, I, I might. I mean, this might as well be the Davis pissed off episode because I went to that show. And I was really looking forward to seeing Hangman Adam Page and Brian Danielson for the world title. I was pretty hyped. They opened the main card with that. Me and my buddies, we had great seats. We were about seventh row on the floor. But once that match started, every son of a bitch had to stand up and put up their fucking signs like it was 1998 and the Attitude Era. Everybody. Nobody could sit the fuck down. I want to be I on TV. I watched the match on the screen. It was a great match. But I watched it on the screen the whole time. In my section, they all went nuts for Hook. You would have thought he was the fucking second coming to Chris Benoit because he came out and everybody went crazy. Send Hook. We're in the hooker section. Shut the fuck up. He's 19 years old. He looks like a guy who fucking does videos on TikTok. He's not that good. I'm sure he has will have some sort of an appeal. But Jesus Christ, like he's not he's not that great. My goodness. Yeah, there is so much like people latch on to an AEW and and then you know the thing is if they if they book him incorrectly or if they do like what they usually do he'll be he'll be an afterthought in two months 
he's a meme wrestler. He caught on with a meme, and all of a sudden now everyone thinks he's popular and he's got credibility and credentials. I'm not taking anything away from the kid because the stuff he's done in the ring has been good so far. But he's not like he's he's not the end all be all. He's not the he's not the greatest thing since sliced bread. I'm sure he will develop into something a fine wrestler someday. But my goodness, the, the overhyping is just unreal. Yeah. Yeah, as we see uh, Taz talking here, he's he's hyping the uh, the event barely legal, the feud that he has currently going on with T- Sabu. Yeah, um, that you know, a, a long time coming here. You know what? Why don't we play the audio for yeah. a minute here, for a hot minute, and see what Taz has to say. Or maybe That's not. Over. Maybe my audio's not working properly. It's okay. No. I, can, I can pump it Fuck in. Fuck me then. Okay. I can pump it in. No, 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 no. That's fine. No, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll just do an audio of it right now. Sabu, I'm coming for you. 13th April. Barely legal. I'm going to choke you out, brother. It's going to be a rocket buster. Look at that tomato over there, Cole. He's not the undertaker. He's the undertoddler. Thank you for uninviting us to your dojo. Uh, <laughs> You're not invited here. You don't belong here. I'm not taking any of your money. You hear me? That's right. You can't do a bump properly. You don't know how to do a hip toss or a suplex or a Gucci Katami. You don't want to do nothing. You're not welcome here. Get the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. He's telling uh, Styles will rip his head off his, uh, his body. And then there's Styles again. The one-man show, as we see. Um... And they're heading into this barely legal uh, event, but there's there's going to be a tag match there, which I thought was interesting uh, concept. The the tag match, the winner, whoever gets the pinfall, gets the title shot later in the night. That is an interesting concept. Um, I've I, it's it's not one of those that's done a whole lot, um, but they've even done tag matches over the years where the title is on the line, the guy doesn't have to be pinned. You know, like I think one year I think. WWF did it where like yeah, where Triple it was, H was uh, the champ yep. and like Vince took the pinfall or something Vince and, and Shane. The Rock became the champ yep. Vince, Shane against uh, Kane, Undertaker and The Rock um, yeah that was uh, that was something like that but that, that was taken from this I'm trying to think of any time before that where we've had like a tag match that turned into uh, a, a, like a singles match later where the guy got an opportunity possibly in WCW before this um, as we see Raven coming out, um, the continued feud with him and Sandman. They recapped footage of them fighting last week, and it looks like they're about to uh, get it on right here in the ring again. Yep, Raven and the Sandman. And he's ECW champion. Um, Is he? He's got the title he on just, like, right there. just take the belt from Raven? Or is this for the belt? Not sure. We'll have to do our due diligence. Yeah, maybe we should have done that before we started. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll look it up right now. I'll look it up for us right now. Let me see. Sandman ECW World Champ. Yeah. He's, he was a record... Uh, five-time ECW world champion. So let's see. During this time period, 
whether he was the world champion or not. Um, I gotta look. I'm going through it. My apologies. Right now we see Raven and Sandman starting their blow-to-blow contest. Um, Sandman did take Raven's belt. Uh, I did see that, so yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, this is where he was taking Raven's belt. Um, You know, Raven popped up in the NWA as a color commentator. Yeah, we spoke about that on the, the, I think, the last week's episode. Um, of this show, um, you said that he had been um, commentating on NWA. Uh, I, is he still part of them? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Um, good for him. I mean, is he is he decent on commentary? I haven't really watched NWA recently. I haven't really watched it either. Um, okay. But I I've I've heard that he's a he's going to be a permanent fixture within the organization. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, he probably. He, 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 I can see him doing well. I mean, he's he's an articulate guy. He's he's intelligent as well. So, I can see him doing well. Um, I'm I'm currently nerding out and watching um, a five hour documentary called uh, the Montreal Controversy or Conspiracy, and uh, he's part of it. And the first part is talking about the story of like him knowing. Vince and uh, and them, and then uh, his thoughts on if it was uh, if it was a inside job or if Brett had any any knowledge. It's an interesting uh, documentary, but it's Ravens interviewed for this. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yep. I know that for a while. I think it like was it was it was done in 2010. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I know that I I heard stories over the years that when Raven was playing the Johnny Polo character in the WWF. They didn't really have much for him to do, and they put him in, like, a commentary role. And at one point, I think he had, a, like, a, a close relationship with Shane McMahon because he was doing a lot of stuff in the studio. He also um, spoke that he was close with uh, Vince on the documentary because the, they made him an associate producer or an executive producer for uh, for creative for Raw for a little bit. And superstars are all-star wrestling. Okay. Yeah. All so, right. That that makes sense. Yeah. So he he also got some insight, you know, from Vince and a, a smart guy, and he's always stayed uh, somewhat relevant in the business. You know, he he kind of helped CM Punk kick his career off. Um. Well, I, yeah, in Ring of Honor, right? Didn't they have like a like a blood feud in Ring of Honor for a while, like yep. in two thousand five? Yep, and it, it was based. Okay. It was based off of uh, you know Raven's substance abuse problems and uh, CM Punk being a straight edge. Uh, so CM Punk played the heel for a bit. It, it was uh, it was it was some good matches, man. I remember hearing about like like a cage match and a dog collar match. I think they had at one yep. point. There was, dog I collar. I never had a edge. chance to watch any of it, but I heard it was some good stuff. Yeah, definitely. If you ever get the opportunity, I think some of it is free on uh, YouTube with Ring of Honor sharing a lot of their classic uh bouts well it's better be considering that they don't have a company right now currently yeah i mean they did show up on uh hard to kill there was a big uh moment there on tna impact hard to kill did you catch that at all i saw the i saw the screen caps of it um and then i saw that i guess ring of honor has um has announced uh ticket sales for the uh the super card of honor wrestlemania weekend in dallas yep so me personally cash grab a lot of 
Yeah, I think it's a cat, and it's not a bad move because they know that there's a lot of wrestling fans in town for that weekend. Me personally, at this point, I think I think what would be interesting, and if they could do, if they were financially able to do it, was to take use use the Ring of Honor brand and name and treat it like a nostalgia tour, and mm. and only run in the markets that you were you were strongest in you know mm. new york philadelphia baltimore um you know cities like that um run those markets and then run cities that have like big weekends like a wrestlemania weekend or a SummerSlam weekend or what have you and try to attract the older names of ring of honor to work those like reunion shows very similar to what when NWA. at one point well, the NWA runs weekly, regularly. Well, so what I'm saying well is, before that, when Billy Corgan first started, that's kind of what they were. It was like a nostalgia tour, you know? I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, I guess that's how you can look at it. Like, I, I didn't see it as that. I saw it as them as just, like, starting up, you okay. know, and just using That's just me. That's how I look true, at it. I mean, everyone true, everyone true. may look at it differently, but um, we see the BWO, speaking of that 40% of merchandise, there's only forty percent of a T-shirt on Blue Meanie right now. Well, I'd um, see four. I'd say forty percent of the audience has BWO shirts on. Yeah, I mean, and there's you know, four four guys on the ring uh, in each. All them. There's Rob Feinstein, that pervert, uh, <laughs> dressed up as uh, um, six of of the NW. I don't know what his name was in the in the BWO, but maybe I think he was three and a half or something like that. <laughs> but I think so. But. Yeah, he's a little weirdo. You ever heard that story about Rob Feinstein? Uh, to some degree. The co-founder of Ring of Honor. He used to work for ECW, did a lot of their, their footage. Okay, a lot of their fan cam stuff and pay-per-views and things like that. Um, founded Ring of Honor, and then he at one point was caught with... He was on one of those, like, to catch a predator, like... NBC specials. Oh, okay, yeah. Where he was posing as like a teenage boy or girl, and they he tried to lure like another teenager to his to his place or something, and he got you know he got caught out by the cops. So he had he was forced to resign from Ring of Honor, and I don't know if he had to, if they bought him out. Or I don't know the whole story. I mean, he didn't go to jail for it. Wow, which is strange. Yeah, yeah, which is really strange. So I don't know what the I don't know what the deal is there, um, but you know he's he's got a fully functional operational business with RF Video and does you know he has he, he knows a fair amount of people in the business from his time at ECW. It's pretty tight with Dreamer, um, but I tried interviewing him once on a on a other podcast I used to do before I did kicking out it too, and he he tried to big league me. Like he was like like he was something special just because he had friends in the business, you know. Uh, I, I was trying to interview him to get like the to get it to 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 get you know a different feel of like what the, the the shoot video business was like and you know how he got involved and shit like that. And he said he would do it, and then he kind of like big leaked me and was like, "Well, I don't have time to do that." So yeah, I've I've tried to but, reach out to some wrestlers and I I've never gotten a response. So what's this? Are we getting a BWO induction here of the Sandman? Uh-oh. He was featured uh, last week wearing a shirt. They kind of, you know, threw it on him. Um, uh-oh. Oh. The, the big question hangs in the balance. Is he going to join 
the blue world order. <laughs> As uh, Raven got super kicked by Stevie, um, some you know some infuting there. They used to, you know, Stevie yeah. was Raven's protege rather. Uh, yeah, these guys and, fighting. Uh, so that was a, a long good, time. Yeah, that was a good tie-in with Rob Feinstein and ROH. So it, it'd be interesting to see what what happens. I think Supercard of Honor is going to be the next show. Um, on their on their weekly tape show, they just have been essentially just playing um, classic ROH stuff. Um, so nothing really to see there. But it was interesting and uh, kind of exciting to see them in. Impact Wrestling, um, even though some of it didn't make sense because you had Matt Taven and uh, um, <clears throat> Vinny Marciella, um, who had just had a blood feud in ROH, they're uh, they're now in a faction together. I guess the Invasion. So yeah, it's it's gonna yeah it'll be interesting. I wonder if you know maybe Ring of Honor restarting up is part of a working relationship with Impact. Um, I honestly don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. I know they've been defending some of the Ring of Honor championships at like various indie promotions and stuff. Jonathan Gresham defended it um, at uh, uh, defended the, um, at the Ring of Honor Pure title against Chris Sabin. Yeah, that Ban- was a great Bandito, match. Bandito defended the the Ring of Honor World Title, <laughs> I think, at a GCW show recently. So yeah, it's it's good. They're still they're still keeping the name alive. So it sounds like they have some some plans to keep it going absolutely so that'll be interesting to see how it how it all unfolds yeah and 25 years uh in ago we'll eventually see the ecw guys making an invasion on wwf it's uh it's it comes full circle yeah time is a flat circle rather it it, it always loops in wrestling time yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the you know the same gimmicks. You can you can rewash something. I mean, the invasion thing has kind of been going on for a while, but uh, it it's interesting with the for, for forbidden door. There we see the yeah. It's not so forbidden. I mean, let's let's be honest with you. Like absolutely, we talked about it last year, and on catching up when you know Omega won the title and. The Good Brothers came over. That did nothing for Impact Wrestling. Okay, that to me, that didn't do anything. I wouldn't say it didn't do anything, but <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> it hardly. No, I don't have COVID. Okay, well that's good. It hardly did anything. I mean, yes, Omega being involved in some of those shows might have upped some of the buys for their for for their events, but didn't do anything drastically for the business. Maybe it gave them some awareness, but did they? become better off for it i don't know but wwe announces that mickey james is going to be in the royal rumble and they announced her as the impact knockouts women's champion and that created a huge buzz yeah and they I did mean, that in one segment they've done that a lot with when they have a, a working agreement i think right now it's because they they know a lot of the talent and have worked with a lot of the talent that's in impact um i i would love to see some of the other guys the it from impact get a nice little shine in WWE. If they do have some type of working agreement that, uh, you know, has more television appearances, um, someone like moose specifically, um, I think 
Vince would take a liking to. Yeah, I mean, he's a big guy. He was on their radar a while back, um, and I think he ended up staying. Yeah, he's he's Impact. the Impact World Champion right now. Um, great match that he had um, on Impact, too. Um, three-way against I, Morrissey and I don't and get Cardone. Impact. Yeah. I, 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 I have YouTube TV. I do not get Impact Wrestling. So, um, But I just heard recently that um, Access TV... That, that does air Impact Wrestling might be joining YouTube TV. So that'll be one more thing on the DVR. I'll have no time to watch. <laughs> right on. Yeah, uh, this is playing out pretty long. It's uh, Raven all bloodied up uh, trying to get back to the locker room um, after being caned by the Sandman, the Sandman drinking some beer and taking that title belt with him. So... Yeah, that's what's going on on the show. We are at the 2652 marker. Okay. Interesting. All right. Um, while, while we're on the subject of ECW in 1997, um, ECW scrambling to get all the legal and insurance red tape done for their pay-per-view to air on April the 13th. There's a 90-day deadline before the show where the promotion is required to have all the necessary insurance and legal stuff done to absolve request TV in case anything unexpected happens. They have to get the paperwork done in time in order to guarantee the April 13th date. If ECW can't get it done in time, the pay-per-view would likely be pushed back to June But because request doesn't want to add another pay-per-view in May because they already have several events scheduled that month, including boxing, WWF, WCW, and UFC. Huh. Well... Looks like they might be getting the short end of the stick, but uh, I, I think they, they they come across well. As when What's they, that, ECW? They, yeah, when they have their first uh, pay-per-view. Didn't they get some good buys? Uh, not to spoil I don't it. have numbers in front of me Okay. currently. Um, I mean, I was going to save that information for when we cover the ECW pay-per-view event at some point, but... Um, yeah, I don't have numbers in front. I mean, they did they did well enough that they gave them a pay per view in August of, of ninety seven. So they had to have done pretty well for themselves. I'm sure that the promotion with WWF helped. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I'm sure plans will change at some point. But what if we covered the ECW invasion of Monday Night Raw? We somehow delivered that as a bonus show. I'm I'm absolutely on, uh, down with marking that. out the days. I'm absolutely down you with know, that. What's that date again? I I believe that date is February the 24th or the 25th of 97. Okay. So it's it's a Monday Night Raw awesome. um, from the Manhattan Center. So that's something that I think would be nice to tie into what we're currently discussing here. Absolutely. Um, I am game for it. We can do that. Um, it, you know. It's a it's a pivotal moment in the business and part of the Monday Night War or the uh, the late nineties um, uh, wrestling war, um, which is something I planned to talk about and to discuss and to watch on Kicking Out of Two, but currently the fucking floor is not put in, so uh, <laughs> therefore um, I can't do any of that. I, I don't even have my setup. So yeah, we see a yeah. replay of what we literally just saw. Um, on ECW again. It's uh, the same thing. I don't, I don't know why they did that. 
Yeah, I don't know either. Maybe for the for, maybe for the folks that that you know just happened to stroll in the door at fucking one forty five in the morning on a Saturday night <laughs> that didn't watch previous that didn't watch farther. Oh shit! I, sorry, sorry, Jennifer. I got we got to resume this blowjob later. I got to go home and watch ECW. <laughs> I'm missing Sandman and Raven right now. Can you hold that? Or they're Don't worry, so, I'll finish when we when, when it's over. I'll finish. I promise. Or they're so drunk or stoned that they they saw it, and then the editor was like, "I'm just gonna put it in here again and fill up some time." And they're like, "Oh shit, that happening again?" <laughs> we are literally just seeing what just happened. The uh, uh, Stevie Richards giving the Sandman the BWO shirt. I feel like I'm watching a three-hour RAW. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> the replays. Oh my god! Over the, and over again. The replays and the entrances. In case you missed it. Yeah. That's what Vince took away from watching ECW. It's like I like the entrances, really long, especially the gangsters, um, and uh, I like the replays, pal. And I like eggs. I like eggs. Egg stream. That's that would be uh, that would be. <laughs> and, I do, and I don't eat food with my fingers. Right. Egg stream wrestling. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> nice little punch though that oh, uh, Raven threw on Stevie. Yeah. yeah, he sold it pretty well. Uh, I know that there is also talk around this time in 1997 um, of a possible working relationship with ECW and Michinoku Pro. Um, which was owned yeah. was was owned by Great Sasuke, um, and which had Takamichi Noku. I heard that as well. Yeah, so um, that that's pretty interesting. Uh, they they eventually do because those guys are Kaintai, and then they're introduced into uh, some of the angles in 1997 or 90, 1998 uh, WWF. Uh, Takamichi Noku especially. Yeah. Yep, yeah, they had a great match at the Canadian Stampede pay-per-view in July of 97. Yeah. Uh, which was kind of like a preview of what they wanted to accomplish with the WWF light heavyweight division, which was to counter the WCW cruiserweight division. Yeah. Um, which actually, uh, you know who made his return in ring this uh, this past year was uh, Takamichi Noku himself. Um, he, he took a little, really? it took a little brief hiatus. Yeah. And he came back in new Japan, uh, and teamed up with Minoru Suzuki, uh, or Tai Chi, one of the members of Minoru Suzuki's, uh, Suzuki goon crew. Um, and, uh, it competed in the world tag league. So, uh, yeah, he's had some exposure and, uh, some, uh, back again in, uh, wrestling. It seems. Interesting. I was not aware of that. That's uh, yeah. Taka. Last I heard of him, he uh, he you know kind of disappeared off the off the face of the wrestling earth. He did, uh, and then he so. started his own little wrestling league called Just Tap Out, and then uh, kind of took a little hiatus again. Uh, but now he is uh, seemingly back in New Japan and actively um, wrestling. So uh, it, it's classic Taka heel. I don't know if you're familiar with that. He's not doing the same thing he used to. He's not flipping and flying on his stomach, you know, and taking crazy bumps. But uh, oh, I remember when he was part of Kai and Tai, and they did the whole Val Venus choppy choppy your pee pee gimmick. That was the only time I really, you know, <laughs> remember Takamichinoku as a heel. Yeah. Um, but he he eventually he shows up here in ECW, doesn't he? 
Yeah, he's part of. I think he was a part of the Baylor Legal Show. Okay, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Um, with the with the rest of the little guys from Michinoku Pro, all the guys' names who I couldn't pronounce. You do a better job at that. When we cover that show, you'll have to uh, you'll you'll have to do the um, the honors of yeah, pronouncing their name. Properly. Another guy that's active I don't know if we, still. We, we should do a whole watch along of that show, or if we should just pick a match and watch one match from that show. We definitely just got to do the, think, the Sabu and Taz. Yeah, that yeah, yeah that makes sense. We can, yeah cover that match because that seemed to get the most hype. Yeah, as much as the, the the moment is pretty cool with Terry Funk at the end, the Sabu and Taz one is the one that really sold the show, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think I'm about to get sick uh, from the camera movement and also who is on in front of the camera. Um, Joel Gertner here, yuck. Why is he wearing a sweater with a bow tie? Oh no, that's just his chest hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Never really got into him. Never was a fan of the uh, the shtick. The one-liners are cool, but, like, we get it. You know, you like women. You jerk off a lot. Um, you're probably still a virgin living in your parents' basement. Yada, yada, yada. The end. Oh, wait, he's back. What the fuck is this? For those of you that have any aspirations of acquiring... A seizure. Watch this segment here. Yeah, go to thirty-five eighteen on your uh, marker, and yeah, just stare at the screen, and you'll eventually have a seizure. <laughs> and then you could try and sue Paul Heyman's parents. Yeah, they're probably still in litigation with everyone else that sued them over the years. Well, he he'll just hide in their basement. Well, he might hide in Brock's basement now. Oh, true. He's, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's a big boy now. He's got his own. He's got his own money. True. We're back not, with Joey not, Styles. He's not editing in the basement anymore. No. Which, which I always thought. The laundry, no. Yeah, which I always thought was cool. You know, a little, this DIY promotion. Um, they they did come a long way. They did. They, they made the best of what they had. Accentuated the positives and camouflaged the negatives. Let's see if we can get some audio here. Let's see if my audio works again. Hold on just a second. If not, I can pump it in. Here. Take things, Joey Styles. I got it. I take them away. And you go to the back. You tell the Sandman to bring me my world title. Hey, ECD. Oh, the commissioner. Just the man I want to see. Now, I'll tell you what. The Sandman, I know he's your buddy. I know you ride down the road with him. I know you share hotel rooms with him. Now, you go to the back now, and you tell him to bring me my title. Raven, you're the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. And in all fairness, you've beaten everybody we put in front of you. But let me tell you something. You want that belt back, you get it back ECW style like a World Heavyweight Champion should. You take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Wow, pretty cool stuff. Uh, and as we see, he's pushing the owner of the company um, in 1997. I wonder who, who, who will get that idea up their, up their sleeve. Well, to be fair, Bischoff started that first. True, true, true. So that's a big Bis thing. Bischoff, Bischoff was doing the, the heel authority figure first. Yes, he was. I mean, that's a big thing. I mean, we see three of the major companies uh, starting to do it within a within an eighteen month period, essentially. Yep. 
And since then, 25 years later, we're still dealing with authority figures being involved with wrestling. I mean, it's always been a thing, but, you know, I think it was it was a little different with uh, the national promotions in, to some degree where the, you know, the unless it unless the promoter wasn't involved in wrestling, uh, they usually just like, you know, made rules like Bill Watts, you know. Well, yeah, like, I know, like, growing up, like, for the WWF, like, you knew it was an important or a big deal when Jack Tunney got right, involved. But, right. like, he never got involved every week. Like, he would be there to sanction decisions and things like that. You know, even Jim Crockett for JCP. Um, you know, they would reference Jim Crockett on TV, and he'd show up when it was an important, you know, matter to address, and that would be the end of it. He wouldn't get involved in a match. He wouldn't get involved in a finish. You know, they wouldn't, you know, pay off a referee, nothing like that. Um, nowadays, every boss in wrestling is crooked. Um, the one thing I'll say of right now, currently, um, when it comes to AEW, they haven't gone that authority figure route yet. Um, they've kind of, you know, they, they've they've acknowledged that Tony Khan is the boss. He's, he's made appearances. He's made appearances on Elevation um, backstage. Okay, so you gotta watch that show. Yeah, see, the, uh, I think they're kind of experimenting with what he can do on screen. Please no. I'll say this. I saw him when he when dude, he's a mark. He's a super mark. He's a mark with money. Like he's a money mark. Okay. When I went to the the dynamite in Jersey a couple weeks ago, he came out and he was like, All right, guys, let's get excited. Coming up is Brian Danielson. Like he looked like Yeah, you're doing the great voice of him, dude. That's exactly how he sounds. I've seen the Dude, he would go nuts. He would be like, Brian Danielson and Hangman out of page. And then he'd be like, give it up for Ray Phoenix. He just broke his arm through the table. Well, he's come up, he's fine. Like, like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're getting like, – We're getting, He would just go nuts. I'd be like – Yeah, he's he's uh, he's channeling Paul Heyman in a way. Uh, Paul Heyman w- yeah. would always scream and yell um, and kind of lose Paul his Heyman voice. worked at GameStop, that's Tony Khan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we're seeing uh, Luis Piccoli and Chris Candido uh, kind of finishing up the feud that was followed up, uh, I guess, the first episode that we watched or possibly. Yeah. Um, yeah we're... Skip of the Body Donnas versus Rad Radford. Yep. Madonna's boyfriend as well, some people called him. Yeah, that oh, was, that's right. That was his name that's in right. AAA. Speaking of Candido, Sonny, she's, uh, she's gotten herself into quite the, uh, the, the legal trouble lately. Do tell. You heard about her did, arrest? Did she? Did she poop? Did she fart? She too? No, she didn't. No, she didn't poop. Okay. She, she honestly, for her age, she's a good-looking chick. She should just stick to adult films. Like she, she, she'd probably be successful. Yeah. In yeah, adult sure. films, like do the OnlyFans thing, you know, whatever, you know, you know, start a fundraiser so you can fuck your fans. I don't care. Do whatever, but like, don't have a. It's like it seems like every time she's involved with like a man. Like you know, like ha- tries to have a steady boyfriend. There's always some trouble. Like a couple Domestic weeks ago on stuff. social media, she yeah, like a couple weeks on social media, she complained that like her boyfriend didn't pay for her fucking birthday dinner, and she had to shell out all the money for her birthday dinner. And then she gets arrested, and it's in the news that she got arrested for making terroristic threats and brandishing a, and possessing a weapon, which happened to be scissors. So she tried to pull a Sid, Sid Vicious from Germany in 1993, and it didn't really work out for her. Wow. Um, <laughs> but I mean, she's you know what she like. I said she's still a good looking chick. Yeah, she just got some issues. Like just you know, it, it, 
if you can't get it together, don't have a boyfriend. Just like I said, just just continue to drown your self esteem and, and do porn. Like at this rate, <laughs> like you know, like don't even don't even bother trying to have a normal life with a guy. You know, right? Like oh, it, it just never seems to work out for her. One, two, small package and a kick out. Oh, that wasn't three. No, it was two. Referee Jim Molinell said two. Yeah, and these guys slap used to be face. another slap and another slap in the corner. Up to the second rope. And a right hand. And he puts him over the corner. And the leg over the corner again. What's he got in store? Oh, boy. Here we go. Candido up. He's going to hook him. Wait. Is he going for a superplex? Oh. Spicoli blocking it. Oh. Reversal down to the mat. Oh. Spicoli up to the top. He's setting up. And we got ourselves a sunset. Oh, wait. Candido blocks it. Cover. One, two, three. And your winner, Chris Candido. No gimmicks needed. Nice finish, though. Smooth stuff. Um, I, I like it. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I was calling the action. It better have been. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, guys are finishing up their feud there, I guess, or it might continue. They used to be former uh, partners. Um, yeah. yeah, that's it. Oh, Louis. never mind. Yeah. No. Yep, you're done, Louie. Go to WCW. Oh, oh, maybe it's continued. Maybe it's continued. Yeah, there you go. Just humiliate him a little bit. Oh, we got a right hand. Oh, some haymakers. Oh, another right by Spicoli. This match is over. The bell is ringing. Oh, what do we got here? Oh, Shane Douglas and, and the fake Undertaker. Oh, no, it's primetime Brian Lee or whatever the fuck you want to call him. We got a beat down here on Lewis Spicoli with Francine hoeing around the outside of the ring area, giving all the guys in the front row a boner and a choke slam by Brian Lee to Lewis Spicoli with Shane Douglas shit talking and same thing with Chris Candido. Now we have ourselves a triple threat in action here. And they are just wasting away. Oh, my goodness. A tombstone to Louis Spicoli sending a message to Marcus Calloway over in in New York. And what is this here? Is that Goldberg? No, it's a pit bull. Don't know his name, but it's a pit bull. And he's no selling the shit out of the attack from the triple threat. Here we go. Clothesline in. Oh, choke slam. Boom, he goes down, thanks to Brian Lee. But he knows sold it, and he's back up again. Here we go. Right hand to Brian Lee, right hand to Shane Douglas. And another right hand to fake Undertaker, and to Dean Douglas, and to Skip of the Body Douglas, and Goldberg is a house of fire. (laughs) Thank you very much. Oh, my God. It seriously is like Goldberg and Undertaker. Uh, Wow. That was interesting. So and that's how we end this episode of ECW Hardcore TV from January the 14th, 1997. Here on Market Out Today's Extreme Watch Alongs Season 3. Season 2, Episode 3. Yes, absolutely. Uh, thank you, Dave. It's interesting there to see at the end uh, Shane Douglas, Brian Lee, and uh, Chris Candido. Are they, they considering themselves triple threat? Because there's been a, quite a few different iterations of the triple threat. Fuck if I know. I mean, I was just rolling off the tongue here. Who knows? For all I know, I could have gotten it totally wrong. But you know, I was just trying to. I was just trying to make the last few minutes a little more interesting of this podcast. Yes, you absolutely. Know. Thank you. Well, we hope uh, you get that fucking floor put in. And if not, we're gonna find that fucking guy and we're gonna put him through the fucking floor. Um, no, we're not. Because I need the floor done. We're not putting him through the fucking floor. Okay. We'll put him through something all right. else. All right. Okay. All right. 
We'll put him through it. That part out for legal purposes. Something does happen to him, and then I'm all of a sudden a a, um, a, what they call those uh, person of interest in an investigation. Well, hopefully he doesn't listen. But uh, thank you all for listening uh, and continuing to listen. As always, you can write to us at retromaniapodcast at gmail dot com. You can find us on Facebook and like us and join the group there. Um, You can always. Join in the fun there. And, uh, yeah, uh, Jave, where can we find you? Until then, we will see you next week. Kicking out of two, Facebook and Twitter. Find the links on our uh, Podbean, uh, Retromania Podbean, Retromania with a W, all the archive shows there, and then some. Uh, stay tuned for more updates as I hope to resume normal recording operations and uh, get this thing going on Kicking Out of Two. But until then, next week, same time, same place, right here on Marking out the day, season three, extreme watch alongs. Ah. Goodbye, everyone.